Hi, everyone. This is Gabby Moran coming to you live from the Center for Maritime Strategy at the Navy League of the United States. I am joining you this month for a special edition episode of Maritime Nation. You know us in our program for our analysis on international security and maritime issues, but today we are just a few days out from the Navy League's annual Sea Air Space Conference and Exhibition, and I am joined by two folks that you know very well, Admiral Fogo and Dr. Steve Wills, both of the center, to tell you a little bit about how we're participating in this year's conference. Hey, Gabby, it's great to be here with you. And it's great to be here with you as well, Gabby. It's good to be back. Excellent. Well, team, this is our second sea airspace together as a center. And I want to kick things off by talking to Admiral Fogo a little bit about his experience with sea airspace. Sir, I know you've attended the conference in the past, and you've done that as a participant, as a speaker, and now you have more of a behind-the-scenes flavor. Can you walk us through how you have seen sea airspace change and how your role has changed? Yeah, thanks very much. That's a great question. And uh, you're right. I've been a big fan of sea air and space uh, since I was uh, a lieutenant commander in the United States Navy. And uh, you know, I've had it at multiple venues in Washington, D.C. Uh, we have settled uh, most recently on the National Harbor uh, and the wonderful facilities in the Gaylord. And that really gives uh, sea air space a maritime flavor because we're on the water on the other side of the Wilson Bridge in Maryland. Uh, you know, when I went through as a lieutenant commander, I enjoyed attending uh, many of the seminars, many of the fora, and listening to senior leaders uh, speak and talk, and also getting down on the what I call the watch floor and seeing the hardware and seeing the people from the industrial base, our shipbuilders that, that create these magnificent flying machines and sailing machines and submarines that go out with our young sailors in harm's way and defend our nation. And uh, when I retired, I was asked uh, to moderate one panel in the special edition of Sea Air Space in August of uh, 2021. It was uh, about a two-year hiatus because of COVID. And I did the international panel, which I was uh, extremely well-suited to do because you know I was kind of an international guy. I spent 12 years of my career overseas in Europe. And it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. But once that was done, it was a little bit of a letdown. You know, even though I had an a la carte menu of all sorts of other things to go to, I liked being on stage and I liked being the moderator. Now, it's not about the moderator. It's about the guests. And it's uh, challenging to be a moderator and bring out the best uh, in your guests. And then kind of uh, field the, the Q&A, the questions and answers that happen afterwards, because a lot of people want to ask a question. And uh, at the same time, those individuals want to make a statement and you're limited in time. So this is, uh, this is really ch a challenge. It's kind of a time management thing. So after that was over, CEO Mike Stevens asked me if I would come on board and take on the responsibility of starting up a new think tank, the Center for Maritime Strategy. So you're right, Gabby, this is our second Sierra space. And uh, we go into it this year with a much better idea and deeper understanding as a team, the five people and our, our uh, numerous distinguished fellows that make up this organization on how we're going to do business and how we're going to make this uh, not only a success, but also something worthwhile for uh, our participants, the people that are coming uh, and buying tickets and, uh, and buying, uh, you know, lunches or breakfast uh, to see the principals speak. Last year as a moderator, I think uh, we did two or three events. This year we have uh, really 
punched above our weight class. I think we're now up to about six events with everything that uh, you and I and the team and Dr. Wills are doing. Last year, what I learned is there's a lot of moving parts. And uh, frankly, if, if you haven't been involved behind the scenes, it's almost like uh, trying to put together um, you know, a Hollywood show. I mean, uh, people have to set up the room. People have to set up the food. Uh, there's a green room where you meet your guests. You have to have uh, uh, questions and anticipate the answers that are coming uh, well in advance of uh, everybody taking their seats on the dais. So it's exciting, and I wouldn't be, I wouldn't want to be any place else next week except in National Harbor uh, as the dean of the Center for Maritime Strategy. Excellent. Well, I think that everyone is getting excited. We're just a few days away, and a lot of people don't know that Sea Space actually kicks off on a Sunday. So on Sunday, April 2nd, we'll all be headed over to the Gaylord for STEM Day. And Admiral Fogo, I know that's something that you've particularly enjoyed in the past. What are you looking forward to at the start of this year's conference? Yeah, I tell you what, uh, I was there last year. I went on Sunday and I spent the whole day in uh, STEM day. So science, uh, technology, engineering, and mathematics. And we had something like 2,500 kids and their parents show up. The parents were happy because, as I recall, the weather wasn't great. So it was a great place to go and spend an afternoon. Uh, with your son or daughter and learn something about STEM. We also had uh, hundreds of sea cadets show up, and uh, some of that was a surprise. We were delighted. They all wore their uniforms. And some of these uh, young men and women that are in the intermediate schools and high schools around the uh, area of the Delmarva Peninsula and inside the Beltway realized, hey, the the sea cadets have a a pretty cool program, and maybe I want to sign up for that. And uh, maybe if I'm interested, I actually want to join the United States Navy as a uh, sailor uh, or as an officer or get into some of the programs like NROTC or our academies. So it was really fantastic. And this year, we've got a great lineup. CMS actually facilitated with the Office of Naval Research and uh, my battle buddy, Admiral Lauren Selby, the arrival of a very interesting person uh, who comes from Myanmar named uh, Lala Wynn. So Lala left the country. She was a teacher And unlike uh, the privilege of education we have in this country, she had to teach her students with a cell phone. And so she learned how to create a curriculum using QRF codes on a cell phone. She's going to bring some of uh, her goods and services, uh, the little box of the periodic table, and she's going to tell a story of how she left uh, Myanmar under a very difficult situation, a military coup, and a lot of her friends are uh, no longer free. They're uh, being held against their will. And how she, uh, she brought that concept here to the United States. And so I think that's going to be very beneficial for uh, both the parents and the kids. And she's a wonderful person and she animates education. Uh, she can take these uh, cards, each of the elements of the periodic table, and bring it to life for you on your cell phone so it's easy. And I think she has 500,000 students now because how, that's how they learn in developing countries. So That's going to be really cool, and I encourage everybody to come out for STEM.
Well, after STEM day wraps up, we move into the thick of our programming. So we have three jam-packed days of not just activity on the watch floor, as you mentioned, but also panel discussions and speeches, et cetera, going on all throughout the Gaylord. And you mentioned that CMS was involved in the facilitation of bringing La La Win to STEM day. But how else does CMS plug into the existing programming at Sierra Space? What themes do you anticipate we'll see this year? What do you think is going to be different? Yeah, well, uh, throughout the year, Gabby, as you know, uh, uh, CMS tries very hard to be uh, supportive of everything that the Navy League does. Our charter is advocacy uh, for sea power. And the way we do that is uh, through advocacy for our sea services. Uh, the Navy, the Marine Corps, the Coast Guard, the Merchant Marine, and our shipbuilders in the industrial base that produce all of these platforms uh, that our sailors go to sea on. And so throughout the year, we run many programs ourselves. We, we have our own podcast, Maritime Nation. I'm talking to you on it right now. We have our own online journal, The Mock, for uh, the Maritime Operations Center. We've had 56 articles uh, in The Mock last year about two or three a week and uh, have received some rave reviews and bounces in uh, other electronic media and hard copy periodicals throughout this country. Uh, so we are advocating for sea power. Uh, we conducted a congressional maritime intensive workshop uh, midsummer last year and had about 35 uh, congressional staffers and uh, policymakers come for three days. Uh, we created the curriculum. We created an ad hoc faculty of volunteers uh, right off the bat with uh, Secretary of the Navy John Lehman from the Maritime Strategy of the 80s and uh, former Chairman of the Joint Chiefs Mike Mullen and a host of others. It was so popular, we've been asked to do it again, and we're going to do it again. And uh, as the uh, year came to uh, an end, after the Reagan Defense Forum, we kind of did our own forum ourselves on America's future fleet. We were joined by the Secretary of the Navy, Carlos Del Toro, and the CNO, Admiral Mike Gilday, here in Navy League headquarters. I think that's the first time we've had both a secretary and a CNO involved in activities here at the Navy League uh, in the history of the Navy League. And it was absolutely wonderful. So about a 120 by invitation guests who are all interested in sea power and the maritime strength of our nation coming together with our national leaders to discuss solutions to some of these tough problems. So we're going to continue that through sea air space next week. Well, it sounds like engaging in sea space is a natural continuation of the work that the center is already doing in terms of informing policy. And what themes do you think we'll see in the center's programming this year? What can people look forward to at sea space? Right. Well, uh, right off the bat, the timeliness of uh, our programming for sea, air, and space couldn't be any better. So the first of our panels, which uh, I'll conduct on Monday, is the 360-degree approach from the north. And so uh, we uh, were asked and we approached some of our Nordic partners uh, to do this. The, the first uh, female CNO of the Swedish Navy, Eva uh, Haghuslam, is going to be on the dais along with uh, the chief of uh, naval operations of the German Navy, Vice Admiral Jan Koch, a friend of mine, uh, the Polish Navy, Vice Admiral Jaroslav Zemanski, another friend of mine from Europe, and uh, the Finnish uh, Deputy CNO, uh, Commodore Yuka Antaronin. And those four leaders of those Nordic countries are going to talk about what it's like to maintain uh, stability and security 
in the Baltic Sea, but also you note the title. The title is the 360-degree approach because they also want to talk about what their countries and their navies can do for the rest of NATO in places like the Mediterranean or the Black Sea. I think that's really important. And I say timely because you know that Vladimir Putin has galvanized the NATO alliance and because of the war in Ukraine, Sweden and Finland have asked to come on board as full-fledged NATO members. I never thought I would see that in my lifetime. I've worked with both of their professional joint forces and they always maintain their neutrality, but they wanna be part of the NATO team because they know that's a great security guarantee and Article 5 is solid. So this couldn't happen at a better time and it's gonna happen on Monday afternoon next week. Our second uh, signature event, this will be the second year we've done it, is the Center for Maritime Strategy Breakfast. Man, do we have a great lineup for this. So uh, Under Secretary of Defense for Acquisition and Sustainment, Dr. Bill LaPlante is uh, coming, and uh, he'll be the senior member on the dais to talk about uh, uh, future fleet design and the industrial base. Uh, I'm also very, very happy uh, to have Vice Admiral, Correction, um, Admiral Chris Grady, who is the vice chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. So Admiral Grady is coming, and we hope to, uh, to get him engaged in a dialogue with us about what it's like to be head of the Joint Requirements Oversight Council for the Joint Staff with all the other vice chiefs of services under his purview. And we also want to talk about uh, live virtual constructive training, uh, the type of thing that we did in large-scale exercise uh, 2021, and we're going to do again in large-scale exercise 2023. Uh, and there's some really, really interesting developments there. We have the Assistant Commandant of the Marine Corps, my great friend, uh, General Eric Smith, who's going to come and talk to us about the Commandant's planning guidance from 2019 and how it's changed uh, to present. There's been some revolutionary and disruptive changes in the Marine Corps. Uh, Commandant uh, General Berger is very strategic in his manner of thinking, and so is General Smith. I think he's going to enlighten us on how things are going uh, with a more distributed Marine Corps on the deck plate. And finally, we're going to finish up with uh, my great friend, uh, Hondo Gertz, who was the last acting Undersecretary of the Navy before that for three years, uh, the Assistant Secretary of the Navy for Research, Development, and Acquisition. And uh, Hondo has so many accolades, too many to, uh, to enumerate, enumerate here. I'll talk about that when he's on the days, but I've asked him to, to uh, bring us home and tell us how we can really uh, invigorate the American industrial base and manufacturing so that we can build more ships to face the threat. Um, and sir, can I ask, what do you want people to take away from the breakfast this year? How would you say some of those key themes have changed since last year? Because last year's inaugural breakfast, I think it's fair to say, was a, a bigger hit than we expected. And people said that it, it helped inform their view of our relationship, in particular with the industrial base. And I think that theme is likely to repeat this year. But what do you think will be different? Yeah, I think uh, this year, with the biggest defense budget that we've ever had, and with a lot of discussion and some disagreement on what does the force design, what does the fleet architecture, what does the 30-year shipbuilding plan for the Navy look like, we've got a senior, a senior representative from the Office of the Secretary of Defense, doesn't get any better than uh, Undersecretary LaPlante. We've got the vice chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff in charge of the JROC, 
We've got the former Assistant Secretary for Research Development and Acquisition, Hondo Gertz, who did a great job when he was there. And we've got the, the Assistant Commandant of the Marine Corps to talk about Marine Forces and uh, amphibs and light amphibious warships and how they're going to employ those uh, against the pacing threat in the Western Pacific. So last year we talked about gaps and seams in the Joint Force and the industrial base was part of that. This year we're really drilling down on how do we get the best bang for our buck because we're all concerned about this shrinking window of opportunity to deter and defend our forces out in the Pacific and the worry over something happening on or before 2027. And you've all heard that. So this is going to be a great discussion. And I will note, there is still time to sign up for that breakfast, and we'll provide that information at the end of the episode. But I know we have a few other things slotted for later on Tuesday afternoon, sir, and it sounds like we're going to bring some new ways for conference attendees to engage. So what do we have up next? Well, Gabby, I'm really excited because, uh, you know, we've been putting out the Maritime Nation podcast about one a month for uh, more than a year now. And uh, we've had some, uh, some, some great support from our listeners uh, from a variety of different diaspora. And uh, we're going to try something different at Sierra and Space this year, and that is a live podcast. I've got two really dynamic and really experienced guests, uh, both of whom I've known uh, for quite some time. First and uh, foremost, Admiral John Kirby. Uh, so Admiral Kirby is the National Security Council spokesman. You see him uh, at the podium at the White House uh, tag-teaming with his counterpart, Corrine uh, Jean-Pierre, uh, almost every day. And you saw him throughout the uh, Chinese balloon shootdown incident, explaining to the American people what was going on and what we were doing about it. Uh, presidential direction, interaction with Secretary of Defense, interaction with COCOMs. John is an amazingly experienced uh, strategic communicator. He was the former Chinfo. Uh, he worked for Secretary Hagel. He worked for uh, Secretary of State John Kerry. He was at CNN. And now he's on the other end of the podium. CNN's in the audience. They're asking him questions and he's responding. There isn't anybody better at that tradecraft. John and I served together with Admiral Mullen when we both worked for Admiral Mullen as the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, we traveled all over the place. We probably did a couple hundred thousand uh, air miles all over the world, Iraq, Afghanistan, Pakistan. And during that time, uh, we did a segment of 60 Minutes with Admiral Mullen. And uh, the reporter on the 60 Minutes beat was uh, CBS uh, Pentagon correspondent and a great professional named David Martin. David and uh, his producer, uh, Mary Walsh did a wonderful job on that 60-minute segment with Admiral Mullen. And then again, uh, when I became a four-star admiral and went to command of Naval Forces Europe and Africa and Joint Force Command uh, Naples, 60 Minutes came to do a segment on Exercise Trident Juncture, the largest NATO exercise since the end of the Cold War. 50,000 soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines, 70 ships, 265 aircraft, 10,000 tracked and rolling vehicles in the country of Norway, NATO ally, under an Article 5 incursion by Russian forces into their country. And uh, uh, David and uh, Mary Walsh were given access to everything, and they did a 20-minute segment, and it was absolutely spectacular. David is a Yale University graduate, and he was a naval officer in the Vietnam War. 
So we're going to talk to him about uh, what impact the Navy had on his life and how that uh, may or may not have led him into broadcast journalism, what he's learned about the Joint Force and particularly the Navy and the Maritime Services in his time as the lead Pentagon correspondent uh, for CBS. And we're going to talk about uh, some current events. Uh, like the pacing threat in the Western Pacific and what has transpired recently uh, with the People's Republic of China. So I think this is going to be really dynamic, really great. We're going to tape it live, and uh, we're going to ask uh, eventually, if we get, we get through the questions, we're going to ask for audience participation. So uh, this is experimental. I think it's going to be fun, and uh, my two guests are excited, and so am I. Well, I think it'll be a, a once-in-a-lifetime chance for folks to ask questions of those personalities that they see in their, uh, on their TVs every Sunday morning. Excellent. Well, next up, we have one more key CMS program at Sear Space, and that is on Tuesday as well. And Dr. Wills, why don't you tell us about what we're going to do? Absolutely. Well, continuing with what Admiral Fogo said about experimentation and also kind of the pulse of the watch floor, being out there and being able to actually touch pieces of military hardware and in some cases play with some of the things that are on the floor. Uh, we're bringing that to the panel event with our after Tuesday afternoon event, uh, which is a war game panel uh, called Gaming to Win. Now, if you know something about war games, you know that they don't actually tell you how to win. Uh, they offer you a number of choices and things to think about in your planning process. The exciting thing about this is in addition to our war game panelists, and I will talk about them in just a second, they will actually be a demonstration of war games directly in front of the podium. So once we conclude with a panelist part of the conversation, we will invite people down to the floor itself in the room to actually interact with the games. So if you think about that 1983 movie, War Games, uh, that might bring it to mind, or the excitement of watching the game in Jumanji actually eat Robin Williams. Uh, we're not doing anything that dangerous, but you can come, you can roll the dice, and we'll tell you about those in just a minute. I'm very excited because we have some really cutting edge war gamers uh, and their products that'll be on display. First, we have Dr. Jeremy Sapinski from the Center for Naval Analysis, CNA, uh, who's gonna be talking about and presenting a couple specific games that they've developed. One is called Littoral Commander that was created by CNA war gamer and Marine Sebastian Bay. And this is uh, a classic sort of uh, battle war game that takes place in the Indo-Pacific uh, with ships, uh, Marine, littoral regiments, and other forces. There's also a really revolutionary game that CNA is presenting that they designed along with the Pew Charitable Trust, and it's an IUU fishing game. So you might ask, you know, what is IUU fishing? That's illegal, unreported, unregulated fishing. I always screw that one up. Uh, and it's an exciting kind of game that looks like it ought to be on the shelves at Barnes and Noble that you can pick up and play. And who doesn't want to stop uh, the Chinese factory vessel from overfishing your particular part of the world? It even comes with small fish tokens in each of the area zones that you're protecting. So we're excited about that. We've also got uh, Dr. Yuna Wong from the RAND Corporation, who's presenting sort of a classic strategic game that they've created called Hegemony. So if you're familiar with the old school game diplomacy that takes place 
uh, before World War One. Uh, you're you're performing the same kind of roles, but in a modern format with modern competitors. So in this game, you get to play Vladimir Putin. You get to play China. Very exciting. We're looking forward to that as well. We're also hosting uh, Dr. Matt Kansian, who's normally with U.S. Naval War College, but has worked with uh, CSIS, the Center for Strategic and International Studies, to create that iconic Taiwan invasion war game that you've heard a lot about on the news that was played numerous times, got lots of buzz. Uh, we're going to have Matt on to talk about the development of that game, and we're going to have part of that game available for you to actually look at on the floor. Uh, which is also very exciting. And finally, we have my good friend of many years, uh, Phil Pornell, uh, former naval officer who spent many years at the Office of Net Assessment, was also a student of the famous naval tactician, uh, Captain Wayne Hughes. And Phil is now with Group W Wargaming, and he's going to present a simulation for us that's computer-based on the floor as well. So you've got a combination of games that are here that are very exciting, uh, both electronic and classic board games. And the important thing is, is you get to touch them. You get to roll the dice. You get to launch uh, Chinese cruise missiles that attack the American aircraft carrier. And that is really cool and interesting. We look forward to that. Excellent. Well, it sounds like the center is going to be doing a, a great bit this year to support what we're doing at the Navy League Sea Space. And just to recap, so you know where to find us, on Monday, we will be hosting the 360-degree approach from the north as a panel discussion from 2.30 to 3.30. And then on Tuesday, we kick off the day with the CMS breakfast, as Admiral Fogo mentioned, from 7 to 8.30. And then later in the afternoon, we have the live recording of Maritime Nation from 2 to 3. And lastly, Gaming to Win, our final panel discussion from 3.30 to 5. And for those who are interested, there is still time to sign up for Sea Airspace and register directly at seaairspace.org. And that's all one word. And team, I think that's a wrap for today. I think it's a wrap, Gabby. Great job uh, as our moderator. Thank Excellent. you so very much. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining us. And I want to thank our listeners for joining us each month and joining us especially for these special edition episodes. And if you have not heard our previous episodes, you can always catch up on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. Episodes and all of our content described here today can be found on our website, www centerformaritimestrategy.org. A special thanks to our friend and colleague, James Peterson of the Navy League, for his support in making this recording and editing of Maritime Nation possible. Until next time.